news is there's not a magic pill. However, the great news is that there are so many things you can be doing right now to point you in the right direction. I managed to pull Kale Brock, who surprisingly is not a fan of the leafy green kale, as much as he is for the superfood seaweed, off his surfboard to talk about his new dance moves, which might just be the key to happiness we've all been looking for. First question, you probably get this a lot, but I mean, this is, this is priority really, is do you actually really like the leafy green kale? <laughs> um, <laughs> this is yeah. a serious question. <laughs> I mean, I kind of have to, don't I? Well, um, you know. I have no choice. But yeah, it's not bad. It's not It's not on the forefront of my um, diet every day. <laughs> what's your favourite recipe? Do you have it in your avocado smoothies? Yeah, I could definitely have it in those. I could, <laughs> well, there's a little bit. There's actually a box of kale chips right <laughs> there. Oh, there yeah. you go. Yeah, but I didn't make them. Oh, right. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Look, I was pretty surprised after watching the longevity film. I mean, I was surprised about so many different parts of it. Um, uh, But I think one thing that like I walked away going, what? I had no idea was self-isolation and really timely at the moment, given that many of us us have spent the last like 18 months or so in lockdown. Mm -hmm. Um, It's worse than smoking, among other things. Can that be true? Yeah. I think that's from Dr. Ali Walker mm. in the film, and she talks about um, loneliness being this this sort of, and it was back then, prior to um, I guess the the real loneliness Crazy. epidemic sort of taking off. Yeah, and she talked about it being worse than smoking, obesity, and substance abuse. And um, <clears throat> we we've seen now the tangible sort of. Um, implications of that over the past two years and, and what it's resulted in. There is a, a large degree of people now um, suffering from mental health conditions and mm. that's only increased over the past two years and, and been somewhat neglected by those making those larger uh, political and health decisions. So it's, it's definitely been something that's been underemphasized, um, but the but the actual impact has been pretty significant. So it is something we need to address, I think, on a, on a day-to-day basis. You know, how do you engage with people and how do you not live a lonely existence in, yeah. in a lonely world? Oh, 100%. Like during lockdown for you, I mean, what were, what were you doing to try and help you, um, you know, boost your, um, you know, your self-esteem to, to boost your happiness? Like what were you doing to try and continue that interaction with your family and friends? I the first um, the first six months I think I was I was still living in Sydney, okay. so uh, things didn't really change at all for us on the northern beaches. Um, the I think there was a period of three months or something where we basically just didn't go out to cafes, which is something we'd normally do. Other than that, I was still surfing every day. Um, I was I was um, hanging out with friends every single day because my friends are at the beach or they're you know in the same street as me and in the same shop so we very took that quite seriously when I finished the longevity film we moved to a little community uh, where walking down to get food for instance from the organic shop meant bumping into four or five different people along the way so it was very blue zone yeah it was very very longevity in its lifestyle so to be honest, we didn't really feel the the impact of it. And then I actually finished, during that time, we were also building and completing uh, a camper van. So I had bought a big um, Mercedes Sprinter 
earlier early on in the whole um, lockdown process and we'd been completing that throughout the whole time so we had that to keep us busy and then luckily we finished the van moved into it stayed at a beach for um, four months and then finished the work year in Sydney and said okay it's time to go and I think the next week or something they actually went into another lockdown and then sort of went (laughs) so so we've actually timed it pretty well (laughs) and the last 18 months since moving into the van has sort of looked like chasing waves around Australia and kind of trying to avoid those um, places that are more prone to going into lockdown. So I spent the last six months in Western Australia. um, And, you know, that whole time has been surrounded by great people and and great friends. And the big difference now is, is I actually, I try and consciously soak that up even more than maybe what I used to do totally. without thinking about it. Totally. I 100% agree. I think you're fortunate in that one of your hobbies and your passions is an outdoor activity. I think that's that's a benefit for you. It's a huge, I mean, surfing, surfing, and I say surfing because it's for me, but any sort of sport, particularly if it's in nature, mm. uh, is such a health tool and health intervention as well. Um, as as well as being my passion and the reason I wake up in the morning. So I'm very <laughs> lucky to have gotten into that because it offers me uh, sunshine, community, movement, uh, and even potentially nutrition. If I'm feeling peckish, I can always pick up a bit of seaweed oh. on the way in and have a little nibble. <laughs> oh, but, excellent. Um, yeah, it's been a great, it, it's the best thing ever. And like you've kind of made that your work as well of late, haven't you as well? Yeah, so after we finished the longevity film, I was I was a little bit tired and burnt out. I thought I thought another documentary is probably not the way to go right now. So I ended up committing properly to surfing. I had always done a little, you know, had had some fingers in some pies with with surfing, but I was always a little bit scared to turn it into work because yeah. it was so precious to me. Yeah. Uh, but then ended up fully committing to it and within a month or two it just turned into this behemoth that I'm still trying to sort of manage and and deal with and you know put in its place as opposed to letting it overrun my life but you know that the balance game is is the whole point really it's a it's a hard one I mean like I know you mentioned sometimes what was I watching maybe it was I don't know a clip where you were calling your surfing and I'm in an unhealthy obsession and I had to smile because I was like of all the things okay of all the things an unhealthy obsession I love that um but I think it's something interesting because like again we live in a world where everything everyone's quite fanatical about certain things in their lives and for me it's like you know going for a 10k run every day I I just I need to do like I don't you know wet rain hail or shine um or or an ocean swim but in the long term, then I kind of think like when after, especially after watching a film, I was like, oh, like, is it really good for me? You know, like I'm doing the same thing every day. Um, sure, it's outside. Sure, I'm getting exercise, but I'm doing the same thing. And it, and it, like, I don't know. You know, should I be instead, as you say, like growing vegetables and tending to the garden and harvesting and and mowing the lawn and you know doing all that kind of stuff? <laughs> I mean, it really comes down to the person, and it's contextual, of yeah. course. If if your run becomes a lot more than just the movement, which it sounds like it does. Maybe it's your access to flow state or meditation, like a moving meditation, then it it can't be considered a bad thing, but there might be an argument where introducing some variety into that part of your sort of foundation, that, that pillar, your movement pillar um, may actually enhance the outcomes that you experience in that. So instead of just going for a run, perhaps it's going for a, 
long walk with friends or a hike where you have to change sort of altitudes and go over rough inconsistent ground and all of a sudden instead of just running you're actually lunging and squatting and 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 bending and and doing all these different movements so you know the movement coach inside of me says that sort of stuff but i also say that ritual is one of the most important ways that we can look after our health because once we ritualize something it becomes easy and we do it without thinking yeah so if we can do things that are really positive and impactful for us um without even thinking about it like going surfing like waking up and maybe meditating or or going for a walk or whatever or seeing friends all the time then um we're we're really going to win the day i think and then when we win the day we win the month and the year and and then the life Absolutely. And like what I've particularly noticed coming out of lockdown as well is that instead of my friends saying, hey, um, Lou, let's go and catch up uh, for a coffee at a coffee shop. Instead, it's like, hey, let's go for a walk along the beach instead and catch up. And I'm like, wow, like that's really cool. Rather than go and sit down, uh, let's go and do some activity and then we'll just catch up the same as we would anyway. Exactly, exactly. And if you can sort of tick off multiple boxes and kill two birds with one stone when it comes to that stuff, I think um, you're always going to win. 100%. So, like, let's go back to seaweed because I am a big fan of seaweed and it has obviously many uses, many purposes, including fueling your nutrition when you're out on the waves. Um, (laughs) And many of these are actually covered in from paddock to plate as well, which is really cool. So, like, for example, feeding, you're probably well aware of this, but feeding seaweed to cattle um, helps to reduce. Um, methane emissions which I think is super super cool um, and you actually partook in a seaweed harvest in the Okinawa prefecture which was also super cool um, despite the look on your face at the time in the film it's hilarious <laughs> it's kind of like slushy and gross I can imagine the smell <laughs> I don't know what was the smell like um, yeah I mean it just smelled sort of wet and wet and seaweedy so nothing too um, <laughs> oh you're a surfer no, like I'm crazy. asking this to a surfer yeah. for goodness sake yeah you're, you're used to it all the time I mean there was just a couple of days ago I was sort of um, moving up sorry that's my dog there. Um, <laughs> I was moving around out west and um, you come across composting seaweed everywhere so it's just part and parcel with being a surfer the taste was the interesting part right it was sort of how I imagined gillyweed from harry potter um tasting and and sort of feeling in the mouth so that was the the most exciting part i thought Um, (laughs) it actually tastes pretty good i mean if you're a fan of that sort of salty Mm. sushi sort of stuff then it's it's great you know i'm a fan of that but i'm not a fan of the texture so like for example putting like something like that slimy uh don't know if i could go there whereas when i get like the seaweed sheets and it's kind of hard and crunchy that oh like you know that that chips um that that would be my go-to yeah i mean it's all it's all pretty pretty great for you especially if you can source it um locally Mm. and make sure you're getting it from like a clean clean source it's pretty excellent and i'm not a not opposed to actually growing something like seaweed in a in a uh controlled setting there's um a beautiful uh woman named dr pia young uh pia Winberg, sorry, right. yep. Dr. Pia Winberg, who's um, on the south coast of New South Wales, who uh, does her own seaweed sort of stuff, and and she grows it in a lab. And there's another person from that same area who wild harvests it, and you get different products, you know, and there's different benefits um, to yep. to doing each of those things. So I think it's going to be a food of the future. We know that because it does sequester a lot of carbon. It, it tends mm-hmm. to neutralize and, and healthify if that's a word mm. uh, improve the ecology of wherever it's grown yeah. which is fantastic 
and as you said there's some pretty good um animal agriculture implications yeah. for it as well like even with fish you reduce their need for or even eliminate the need for using antibiotics because you reduce that sort of viral load and stuff on the fish so it's pretty it's a pretty amazing crop and i think um we'll definitely be hearing a lot more about it and just with you through your contacts and what you've learned and um the journey that you've been on um do you is it difficult to grow do you know like is it something that's challenging for farmers i actually think it's quite easy i mean you look at kelp for example and kelp can grow something ridiculous and don't quote me on this but i think it's something like seven meters in a year it's crazy okay yeah how fast Right. Yeah. So I um, actually think it's quite, uh, it's low intervention. You don't really have to get involved too much. Um, and again, it, it really offers nothing but benefit to the, mm. to the surrounding area. So it's a, it's a pretty incredible food. It's amazing. When you harvest it, like you would, you would um, ducking down and just grabbing it with your hands. Is that, is that how you harvest it normally? Yeah. So the, the, in Okinawa, they uh, somehow seed it and grow it along this sort of, um, network of uh, or a grid of string or rope underwater and uh, the divers basically go along with this sort of vacuum and suck it all up off those strings like whilst leaving the string there uh, which is pretty cool at the same in the same area they are doing like a reef restoration program uh, so they're, they're actually sort of using those two systems simultaneously yep. and the seaweed improves the ecology of the area and then they're also regrowing uh coral reef wow. and they're seeing some really strong improvements and strong growth there as a as a result of that that's so, fantastic yeah. amazing um and let, let's go to wine um what does what did the wine taste mm-hmm. like in uh in uh, sardinia or was it ikara i can't i can't remember which one it was ikaria. In. Yeah, yeah. ikaria so we were in ikaria um it was a strong one it sort of tasted a bit like a what you would consider a, a pinot, I would say. Oh, right, yeah, okay. Like a, like a pinot noir, but there was also like a stronger element to it, maybe like a higher tannin load or an, a higher alcohol content. Yeah. The thing is they're not going for consistency out there because no, they're all no. brewing it themselves. Yeah, yeah. You know? so, so it's like a, it's a backyard job, whatever <laughs> you're having. And there's, a, there's a lot of it because it all comes on this one little lorry yeah. into the party and there's uh, bucket loads of it and it's all in these bottles and they all just sort of put it into this one it's big brilliant. vat and you just get these little cups throughout <laughs> the party. But no one gets drunk, which is interesting. How? And, How and, does that happen? Well, they eat when they drink. Okay. They, they never just drink. Okay. They um, never drink alone. Ah. They... Um, as I said, they always have food. They a lot of the times they're moving when yeah. they drink as well, so they're dancing and, yeah. and partaking in the panagiri. So it's a um, yeah, it, it's sort of a holistic activity drinking. Yeah. It's not just this one little thing like oh, I'm gonna watch a movie and sit back and knock back a few wines. It's okay. Friends have come over from down the street, which happens every single day. Oh, I'll bring out the wine and we'll sort of slowly sip it together whilst we also eat like a nice big Mediterranean cheese board. Amazing. So, and that that you know comes from the goat and comes from the garden, and you know, it's this total circular, beautiful uh, diet that's enhanced, if you will, by little bit of wine so i'm always inspired when i do travel um it's been a while but when i do travel uh the like the recipes um there was one you were eating and my mouth was watering it was like eggplant and it had um tomato on it and something else um it looks so delicious but really like homegrown and 
perhaps just you know a couple of wholesome ingredients there did you pick up any really um delicious simple recipes you know while you're in greece or italy that that you that you no, might even create now yeah i mean it's more the fundamentals of of the dietary approach that i would mm. sort of copy so for instance I'd never before, but here, I, I mean, I live a largely gluten-free life. Um, and I think that's probably more relevant here, considering the grains we have access to here, the yeah. quality of the grains in Australia is very low compared to the, these countries. Um, and they're all sourdough over there. They're sort of sharing their, their culture around the island. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. So before that, for, for example, I'd never done this, but I came back and I started every now and then um, having goat's cheese on some really yep. nice sort of gluten-free sourdough toast with fig and then a little bit of honey, Yum. you know, and, and then it's like with the salad, it's like um, put the goat's cheese in there. And then um, with the, the eggplant and, and that sort of dish, if, if I remember correctly, it's like roasting the eggplant, blending it up into a dip with some lemon and olive oil, you know, and keeping it really simple so and just delicious. adding some good sea salt or, or mm -hmm. whatever. So it's not so much that I'll rely on recipes. I don't think I ever have yeah. before. Um, even though I've got a couple of recipe books, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's definitely more about the the wholesale approach, that ho that holistic approach to, hey, is the food that you're eating seasonal, local, organic, and is it from a whole food source? Yeah. And it's probably going to be pretty good. Amazing. Um, it's funny, I, I, I and I really should ask you this because you have been to Japan. Uh, did you ever come across something called natto? fermented soybean yeah 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 so yeah fermented soy. i mean it's fantastic food isn't it it's really delicious so in fact i became quite fanatical about it like obsessed by it so when i got back to australia so when i traveled through japan i um backpacked around japan back in the day and every every morning for breakfast i would eat i'd have boiled rice and then on that i would crack a raw egg and then on top of that i would put <laughs> my natto with like yeah. a drizzle of soy sauce and i would i carried around raw eggs in my backpack and for wow. the next like month i think i had that every morning for breakfast and then when i came back to australia i tried to replicate it and i couldn't find <laughs> natto anywhere and i was like look you know what I, I think i ended up using baked beans instead of natto and then at that point yeah. i was like okay no cut it's not not good. not quite the same <laughs> health benefits <laughs> no, completely different yeah. um yeah so there would be some people that sort of freak out about having a raw egg for example yeah the the um probiotics in the natto would actually a lot of the times nullify the impact of it. if there was a tiny amount of salmonella or or anything in the egg yeah. they would often go in and sort of um, and take that out to actually make it even safer for you to consume which is often why we see those um those food those food combinations oh, okay. uh, particularly like raw animal protein Yes. and fermented vegetables or yep. pickles of some sort okay. uh, just to, to assist with digestion and sort of nullify the impact of any potential pathogens 100%. as well. Like not once did I get food poisoning, <laughs> I, it kept me full until dinner time and um, yeah. I, it was delicious. You know, I, re I mean, I don't think I'd eat a raw egg now, but back <laughs> then it was, I think in the environment as well, uh, you know, it was just, it, you know, it's just everything. It was, it was great. Um, but speaking of staples, like, um, you might have already heard this survey as well, but I think researchers in um, at the University of Michigan recently put out a study saying that like one hot dog apparently takes thirty six minutes off your life. Wow, I mean, it's a, that would be a very difficult um, number to come up with. <laughs> I know why thirty six. Yeah, I don't know, 
but uh, I wouldn't say it's a, an amazing study, I'm sure, but um, <laughs> who knows? It's a processed food, right? And, well, and that's we, could, it. we could say the same thing about a lot of different foods, I'm sure. You know, if what you about an a, Aussie meat pie? Hey, it depends who you get in the pie. <laughs> it depends exactly where the pie is coming from. That's so it, true. Exactly. <laughs> you know, a, venison, a venison pie from uh, a place in Margaret River with Ooh, you know, good quality dough good. and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. and, and grass-fed venison is going to be very yeah. different to the tradies pie. Yeah, 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 I, totally. Um, I'm going to go back because you mentioned flow state earlier in this conversation and um, I didn't want to skip over it, but uh, what is flow state? Flow states, your, your deep present state awareness. So those moments where you, Stephen Cutler says you, they are the moments where you lose yourself and you find yourself. Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. So in surfing, it's often, you have these sessions, right? These surfing sessions where you're so dialed in. It's such an interesting sport because the landscape upon which you um, play changes all the time time. and it's it's never ending and so when you're in the zone it's quite a rare thing and you find that your performance is increased uh everything feels effortless and you just feel like you feel incredibly confident as well and there's no second guessing uh there's no multiple voices in the head in fact your prefrontal cortex which is the the source of you know self and ego and that sort of nagging voice that all gets shut off (laughs) and flow and it allows for deep learning and deep practice and sort of deep movement to occur um so you can achieve that in various different ways and for instance for me you know i'll get it surfing for people in the blue zones in these longevity cultures Mm. i definitely saw them sort of achieving that through simple activities such as gardening dancing um conversing you know they're they're very prone to i think this this state and there's a a ton of health benefits that sort of come from that state particularly um neurologically but then i think once you do sort of impact the brain you tend to impact the rest of the body as well so it's a pretty fascinating fascinating topic amazing exactly are you you a dancer yourself do you you like getting up for a bit of a boogie because you certainly I'm did in the film. dancing, but um, I'm not, <laughs> you, you I wouldn't dance- consider myself a dancer. Well, I mean, you know, you, you, I think you danced at least three times in the longevity film. I think, you know, there were quite yeah. a few occasions where those ladies, those ladies in Okinawa, they got you up. They got you up I doing twirls. I know. And it was, it was, I could tell they were sort of, you know, sort of joking amongst themselves. Like, let's get the little white boy tourist up on the <laughs> dance floor. Uh, but hey, it was, it was brilliant. You don't see a lot of that um, relaxed, no, total, total relaxation here in the West, and the ability to make fun of yourself and be willing to look stupid. We get self-conscious. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So in those cultures, no way. No, they're so, they're, they're into it. It's like if you're in that room, you're going to participate, you're going to have fun, and you're, you're going to make up a part of the party. So well, I did put my incredible dancing skills to the Amazing. test throughout that production. And, and it was so good. And if you didn't participate, what would they do? Would they throw you out or? I don't think so. Can you imagine? I, honestly, well, no, I can't. I can't even imagine <laughs> not feeling like participating in that sort of environment mm. because it was so welcoming yeah. it just felt natural it just felt totally natural to join in same with the panagiri and ikaria yeah um it, it was like it, 
it's beautiful. The Greek music was playing and we're all, everyone's having a great time. You you literally have no choice. I think even the squarest person would end up dancing. It's contagious. It really is, isn't it? Like, yeah, you just, you just have to. Um, It's pretty cool. Do you know what the current average life expectancy in Australia is at all? Uh, For men, I believe it's 79. Mm. Um, I'm pretty sure. I haven't looked at the statistics in a while. And for women, I believe it's 84. 84. So I guess for us um, and would be great for people listening is um, some skills to stress less. Over the years that you have been um, researching in the health and wellness industry, what are some of like maybe your top three skills that we can practice anywhere, anytime to reduce our stress levels, which currently are pretty high for a lot of people? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the stuff that I used to talk about was pre-lockdown era. Mm. And I think that's had a major impact on a lot of people. I think the number one, the easiest tool that we have access to, uh, to look after our mental health and sort of de-stress is exercise. Uh, This has been shown across the board to have um, even better impacts on things like depression and anxiety than Mm. depression and anxiety medications. Um, and And it's free and everyone has access to it in some form. Yeah. Most people, I would say 99.9% of people have access to it in some form. So that's number one. And it doesn't have to be going to a gym. A lot of people associate exercise with something they don't want to do and yes. a punishment yes. and it has to be done at the gym. It's not true. Yeah. So exercise can even include calling up a friend and saying, hey, let's go for a beach walk. Or maybe you've got a puppy who, you know, loves going for a walk. I can that can be yeah. something. Yeah. Yes. I know. And um, you could eat. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go. He's ready. <laughs> and um, you can. And then the the next thing is to find a hobby or find a sport yeah. that you just it's it it's a reward for you to go and participate in that activity. So for me, obviously, that's surfing. For someone else, it might be golf. So it might be swimming. Again, it might be walking on the beach. <clears throat> could be going to the gym. A lot of people find that from yeah. the gym as well. So I think that's number one. Okay. Um, number two is to try and build a life uh, that's in alignment with your core values. Because I often find that the the times where I'm most stressed or, or feeling anxious or, or whatever is, <clears throat> is when I'm off path. Mm. So when... I'm moving in a direction that's not in alignment with my highest values. And, yeah. you know, a lot of my values uh, revolve around having time uh, and, and being independent and being able to choose how I spend my time, yes. um, which, which is one of the ultimate freedoms. And uh, maybe financial freedom has to be one of them um, and being able to surf whenever, whenever I want. Yeah. So <laughs> you know, I think once we sort of tick those boxes, uh, life gets a lot easier. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people who will be listening to this who, may, who might even be going to, to university or yeah. maybe they're in school or whatever. The best thing that I learned early on when I was 19 was, hey, it's okay to dislike what you're doing, yeah. but it's not okay to continue down that path knowing that you dislike it. Yeah. So I was right. actually working at um, Network 10 as a reporter for Totally Wild when I, I thought it was my dream job, right? Oh. I got this incredible job. I was 19 years old. I was like, forget uni. I'm not going to study journalism because they've just given me a journalism job. Yeah. And lo and behold, I was in the office 
four, three to four days a week, which for some people they're like, sweet, whatever. But for me, I felt like a caged animal. Yeah. And even though it was really, it was an incredible learning experience. I learned so much and it's, it's put me here where I am today. Um, I knew that it was, is not going to work for me long-term. So in the end, after two years, we had to sort of call it quits. And that's when I went off on my own. So I think, and, and the, the stimulus for that was actually reading something called the four hour work week, <laughs> which it sounds pretty ideal, right? Yeah. But the, it was the principles of that book that enabled me to first go, oh, it's okay to think this way. And there's a lot of other people who mm-hmm. think this way. And then here, here are the steps to sort of, um, bring about a different lifestyle so i think that's that was a long roundabout way of saying number two uh number three is just eat great quality food eat the slow diet seasonal local organic whole foods and you calm that nervous system down and you calm the body down 100 percent. yeah that's great i think that's the three as you say like you've got pillars um and that covers a lot of them and i think that then connects with um skills to connect and socialize and build a community because i just from people that i've been speaking to uh, currently struggling with that a little bit because um, they've mm. been, you know, in lockdown or, or isolated or been a bit disconnected for quite a few months, and and now, um, you know, lockdown is lifting. Uh, it's about okay, you know, how do I build that connection with other people? Um, and the one that you said, you know, exercise, for example, call up a friend and go for a walk. I mean, kill two birds with one stone, and it's a fantastic way. But I think for people connecting and socializing, um, I think that's going to be a challenge for quite a few people um, now as well. Um, you know, yeah. how do we do that? How do we connect? And, and, yeah. and, you know, I guess social media is great to connect, but, but how do we connect without technology? Yeah, I think social media can be a catalyst, but mm. it can't be the end result. No. Uh, we know that the neuro- neurochemical benefits that someone receives from meeting someone face-to-face are much more significant than if they chat with them on the phone, for example. Uh, but we know that seeing someone else smile, we often mirror that. Sorry. We often <laughs> mirror that behaviour. Yeah. Um, and we, and we, we get the, those neurological benefits um, from seeing that and connecting yeah. with someone else. So I think in-person interaction has to be the priority yeah. all the time. And that's why I think the disregard for human rights and, and, and that particular topic during the last two years has been a really big failure mm. of um, the, the sort of pro-lockdown movement because there has been no consideration for that yeah. uh, or very little, um, which, which is probably an understatement. So mm. I think now that the easiest way to do that is to look at how you can be of service to a community. Yeah. Uh, the amount of people now that I've sort of started surfing who come up to me in the surf and just say, Hey, like, thanks so much for, for doing your videos and all that sort of stuff. Those tiny little interactions have such a big impact on me because they not only sort of increase my level of fulfillment, mm-hmm. um, but they also connect me to the broader community. And I've actually been able to make some incredible friends out of that as That's well. That's great. So, yeah. yeah. Getting out there and doing that sort of stuff is it's fantastic. Someone, I've read this twice, and I think even Mum might have said something to yeah. me in the last couple of days. But the best way to meet friends is to be a good friend. Totally. Um, you know. So yeah. But yeah, go out there and just just try and be a good one, mm. and you'll you'll probably meet people. Well, they do, and, and they again, say that you you're like a magnet. If you are kind, then you attract kind people. I, I kind of like that analogy. I think that works really well. Um, and I think on a final note as well, I think um, you know having a furry friend around, like like your your mm. pet dog, is a really great way to yeah. also right. <laughs> 
to make you smile. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the best parts about coming back to Adelaide uh, after being in the van is mm. is coming back to, to see the dog. Mum's probably going to be frowning at me because she probably thinks so I should say it's the best thing is seeing her and seeing the family. <laughs> but... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> one of the best things. You, you is frown across the room the right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, Aww. it's. Um, it's beautiful, you know, and yeah. there, there are a lot of gateways to to that same that same thing. Yeah. You know, it's not necessarily everybody go out and buy a dog. It right. can be it can be the sport that you participate in, on the mm. or the service that you or the volunteering place you go to. It can be your workplace. Yeah. A lot of people find community at work. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. There, there are various different touchstones that we have access to. Yeah. It's just about thinking about them. What works for us best. And we're starting to really consciously employ them in our life. Totally. Okay. Well, look, thank you so much for opening our eyes to this whole um, discussion because um, I was blindfolded for a long time. And then it was just funny. Slowly I've been adding things into my life and then your film came across me, which was very timely. And I was like, whoa. And um, yeah, so it's been amazing. And you put them into really um, um, practical everyday life analogies that we can digest, um, you know, ourselves and, and assimilate into our own lives. So, uh, it makes it really easy to understand and utilize so thank you thank you very much that's that's perfect i mean there's no point over complicating a simple message and a big thanks to avid surfer and lover of life kale brock and you can watch his doco the longevity film on your next Qantas flight fingers crossed we'll be traveling soon or youtube just follow kale's broccoli to find the link and make sure to also follow us at From Paddock to Plate for more From Paddock to Plate Network episodes just as awesome as this one.